0: Sue Her is a short story based on Kira Jacobs' Hometown Hero series, which features two full-length romantic suspense novels set in her hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Armed with Steel and Flirting with Fire, all of Kira's stories are full of heart and humor and bring happily ever afters to the characters who need it most. Be sure to check out her full backlist of novels at kirajacobsbooks.com. Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am TG Wolf, trying really hard not to laugh at the sound that Jack has picked for today's background music. And I am here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original and sometimes odd music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Some episodes will be original stories and others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes. This is season four, A Word Before Dying. This season contains original stories written just for you, and built around that classic mystery theme of the last word before dying. Episode six is about outfoxing the rat. This is Sue Her by Kira Jacobs. Chapter one: Errant throws and backseat confessions. Charlie Mullins was one bullseye away from winning the second round of cricket at Northside Bar and Grill when the cell phone in his back pocket began to vibrate. "'Son of a!' he muttered, watching his third dart miss the board wide right. "'Nice throw!' teased his firefighter buddy, Torin McKay, from the high top table they'd been sharing. "'Too bad it's going to be your last!' "'You wish!' Charlie said, attention split between the game and the still-vibrating phone." A quick glance at the screen found it to be Nate Steele, his business partner and former colleague at the Fort Wayne PD. Nate knew better than to call on dart night. "'This better be good, Steele,' Charlie said into his phone. "'I went double or nothing with McKay and the game had the game in the bag until you called.'" "'Not my fault if you're easily distracted,' his best friend joked. "'Also, let him win. I need you over here.'" "'Okay, first, Charlie said." I don't let anyone win. And second, where is here? I thought you were on duty tonight. I am, which is why I'm calling you. Nate's voice was nearly a growl. I'm in the alley behind my sister's shop, trying not to beat the shit out of the a-hole ushering her into the back seat of a cruiser. Charlie's free hand curled into a fist. Why would anyone ever think of arresting Nate's sister? Marissa was only about the nicest person on the planet. And the sexiest, in Charlie's not-so-humble opinion. Her lean body and long blonde hair were tantalizing enough, but those bright blue eyes of hers slayed him every time. He'd do anything to earn a smile from the woman. Hell, he'd do anything for her, anytime, anywhere. Except date her, of course. He didn't deserve a woman as kind as her. Besides, he wasn't the marrying material, and she and her sweet little daughter Paige deserved a family man. Lord knew. He wished he could be that for them. Please tell me this is a joke, Nate, he said. I'm afraid there's too much blood on the ground for jokes tonight, Nate replied. Charlie's vision went red. Hers? Thankfully, no, Nate said. But dickhead officer Derek Abrams is convinced she's the one who spilled it. What? Charlie's outburst cut through the Thursday night bar banter. Heads turned, but he didn't care. Who the hell put that idea in his pea-sized brain? Marissa's dying ex-brother-in-law, Danny McMahon, who pointed right at her and said, Jimmy will sue her. This scenario had just gone from bad to worse. Charlie drained the last of his beer and left the bottle on the table. I'll be there in five. He tossed a 20 to Torin, told him he'd have to finish their game next week, and headed for the door. Outside, he was greeted by a wall of humidity, the burnt orange sky of a waning later summer night, and the otherworldly glow of a bug zapper hanging outside the bar's rear entrance. Thankfully, Northside was only a few blocks from the strip mall that housed Marissa's salon, sheer indulgence. Charlie flew down East State in his H2, daring anyone to pull him over. As a former detective and SWAT member, most cops in town knew his car and looked the other way. He parked on a side street, near the alley, approach behind Statewood Plaza. Nodded a hello to Nate, who spied him from across the bedlam. He ducked under the freshly hung crime scene tape, careful not to draw any attention. It was easy enough to do, with all eyes focused on the stiff they were lifting onto the gurney. Curiosity had him wanting to look, but he first needed to know that Marissa was alright. Through the cruiser's side window, he spied her silhouette. She was leaning forward with her head in her hands. The officer Nate said had escorted her to the cruiser was too busy puffing his chest in front of a cute paramedic to notice Charlie as he leaned against its open back window. "'You finally snap and go all Sweeney Todd in there tonight, or what?' he teased. Marissa lifted her head. "'Charlie, what are you doing here?' "'Making sure you're okay,' he said." And that your brother doesn't lose his badge for throwing a punch at the douche that put you in here?" She grimaced. "'Poor Nate! He was livid when they said I had to be taken in for questioning!' "'Poor Nate!' Charlie shook his head. Leave it to sweet Marissa to be worried more about her brother than her current state of distress." "'So what happened, Em?' Charlie asked. At his softened voice, tears welled in her eyes. "'Oh, Charlie, it was awful. I was closing up for the night and heard voices coming from the alley. I checked the security monitor you set up for us and saw Mrs. Chang and her family from the restaurant next door huddled around something outside. Thinking the pregnant stray cat we've been seeing around finally had her kittens, I hurried out to join them. Only it wasn't a cat lying on the ground. It was Danny, looking pale and clutching his stomach. That's when I saw the blood. God, there was so much blood. A shiver rattled through her. I told their son, Lee, to call 911, but he said they were already on their way. Danny heard my voice, and he called my name, so I knelt down beside him, and I I tried to keep him calm, you know, tell him everything was going to be okay. But it wasn't, Charlie surmised. Marissa shook her head. No, he was getting more and more groggy by the minute. Mrs. Chang kept putting clean compresses on his wound, but they'd soak through as soon as she put them on. Officer Abrams arrived a minute before Nate, who got there just ahead of the paramedics. Everyone was racing this way when Danny began coughing up blood. A small sob escaped her and Charlie's resolve vanished. He opened the driver's side back door and slid in beside Marissa, pulling her gently into his arms as the tears began to fall in earnest. Her scent washed over him, citrus and sunshine, a nice contrast to the cruiser's interior aroma of sweaty feet and stale cheeseburgers. "Shh," he said, stroking her long blonde hair. "I've got you. Everything's going to be all right." But it won't," she whispered. "A good man is gone." And what's worse is that the last thing he did was point at me in front of everyone and say, "Jimmy will sue her." She looked up to meet his gaze. "Why, Charlie? Why would he say that? Danny was one of the only people in Jimmy's family that was ever nice to me. It was true. Charlie had witnessed Danny McMahon being kind to Marissa at the few cookouts Nate had dragged him to during her and Jimmy's thankfully brief marriage. Though for Charlie those four years felt like an eternity. Jimmy and his narcissistic family, Danny and his ornery grandmother excluded. Well they didn't deserve sweet Marissa. They'd grown up even less pleasant toward her after the divorce and try as she might to distance herself from them Marissa could never seem to climb out from under the family's black cloud, which, it seemed, had followed her once again tonight. I don't know, he admitted, holding her close as the gurney was lifted into the back of a silent ambulance. What he did know is that whatever happened here tonight hadn't been by her hand. To keep her out of jail, he'd need to prove that. Thank goodness he could access her cloud-recorded security video from home. Hopefully, they'd soon have the footage to answer some of the questions and prove Marissa innocent. Charlie pressed a kiss to the top of her soft hair and added, But you damn well know, I intend to find out. Chapter 2. Slamming Doors and Baseball Caps By the time the Fort Wayne Police Department was done questioning Marissa, it was going on midnight. Nate's fiancée Jessica, who was on babysitting duty for Marissa tonight, had been alerted and had easily convinced five-year-old Paige that they were having a sleepover to keep her from worrying. That allowed Nate to bring Marissa to Charlie's so they could all talk through tonight's bizarre turn of events. How'd it go? Charlie asked, as the Steeles arrived and found their way to his kitchen, following the scent of pizza he'd just pulled from the oven. He figured they would be hungry after the lengthy stay and interrogation. That wasn't the only reason he'd made a pizza from scratch. For Charlie, working in the kitchen was one of the few things that could quiet an overactive mind. So was sex, but tonight there had been neither time nor the opportunity. Thankfully, they didn't have enough evidence to detain her, Nate said, passing Charlie to extract two beers from their refrigerator. He handed one to Marissa, and the other he kept for himself. Both look exhausted. But they told me not to plan any trips out of town in the near future, Marissa added. She settled on the bar stool across from Charlie at his large island kitchen, propped on her elbows, and sighed. What a mess. Charlie served up slices of pizza to each of them. "'Did they interview anyone else?' he asked. Nate nodded. They ended up bringing in the Changs, once the family had managed to usher her customers out the door. I'm kind of glad I don't speak Chinese, because Mrs. Chang's rant had her husband blushing. "'Oh, you do not mess with Mrs. Chang,' Marissa said in between bites of pizza. "'I've seen enough food delivery supplies go wrong over the years to know better. "'Also, Charlie?' This pizza is amazing, as always. You're the best. Oh, he thought, if only that were true. Nate inhaled his first piece and grabbed another. Any luck with the surveillance video? Charlie shrugged. One of the perks to Charlie and Nate owning their own security shop was an endless supply of tech toys and the working knowledge that came from selling and installing them. Not long ago, Nate had insisted on installing a basic system to monitor the parking area behind Marissa's shop so she and her staff could get out to their vehicles safely on nights they work late. Though, after watching her system's footage a few dozen times, they had some tweaking to do to improve her setup. Yes and no, he said, reaching for his laptop. Yes, I believe we have enough evidence to prove that Marissa was not the murderer. Thank you, Jesus, she whispered. But, Charlie continued, with the lighting as it was, I can't get a good look at the face of the person that I believe it is. He turned the laptop so they could see the screen, then came around the island to sit beside Marissa. Her citrus and sunshine scent teased him anew. Okay, watch the right side of the screen. At 8.05, you'll see Danny walk into the alley with a shovel. See, now he'll lean it against the fence on the other side of the alley and start towing at the ground. He's looking for something, Nate commented. That's my thought too, said Charlie. Right here, it looks like he's found it, because he'll crouch down. Oh! Marissa pointed to the screen. Someone's coming up the alley behind him. As they watched, Danny turned his head toward the newcomer, then slowly rose, his body tense. The other person appeared to be taller, solid, and unfortunately he was wearing a ball cap that kept most of his face shaded from the alley's overhead lights. The two exchanged words. Then Danny hurried toward the building. He reached for the nearest door, which was the back entrance at the Chang's restaurant, but the other guy grabbed him and hauled him backwards, slamming him into the building beside the door. As Danny struggled to break free, something shiny came into view. That's when the back door to the Chang's restaurant slammed open. It knocked the stranger into Danny, momentarily flattening them both against the wall. Oblivious to the ongoing attack, Lee Chang stepped outside, grabbed the door before it swung shut, and appeared to have a shouting match with someone inside. He went back inside a few seconds later, the dorms slamming shut behind him. Charlie paused the video. Lee was right there, Marissa said with a groan. He's been fighting with his parents a lot lately, which was what had him taking more smoke breaks than normal. But why did he go back inside? You think he realized what was going on behind the door? I don't think he knew, but him going back in probably kept him safe, Charlie said, starting the video again. Okay, I'm going to slow this next part down. It's hard to see with him this close to the building, but Danny collapses right here. His assailant pats him down, grabs something from him right there, and then takes off running. What did he take? Marissa asked. Charlie played the short section of video back again, even slower this time. Was it a piece of paper, Nate asked? Charlie nodded, that was my thought too. After that, Lee comes back out a few minutes later, cigarettes in hand, lights up, and turns to find Aunt Danny still on the ground. Danny topples over and then Lee runs to get his parents. Mrs. Chang appears with towels for the wound and you come outside a few minutes later, Marissa. "'Poor Danny,' she said. "'He kept saying that he'd been stabbed and robbed, "'but he wouldn't say who did it.' "'Charlie looked to Nate. "'Do you know if the police recovered a murder weapon?' "'They did not,' Nate said, "'though they were going to continue looking in dumpsters "'and storm drains in the vicinity.' "'Marissa leaned back in her seat, worry on her brow. "I "'I just don't understand. "'Who would have done this to Danny? "'And why on earth would they have been in the alley behind my shop?' I haven't seen him in years i have a feeling if we find the answer to one question we'll know the question to the other said charlie he rewound the video to the cleanest look at danny's assailant and hit pause the man's face was shrouded in darkness but his cubs baseball cap and matching t-shirt were in plain view Em, do you have any idea who the guy could be marissa leaned in closer her elbow skimming his Well, at first I thought it was Jimmy, but I don't see that stupid skull and crossbone tattoo on his arm. Plus, he hates the cubs. Oh, how Charlie wished it was her ex-husband. He would love nothing more than to see that asshole locked away. Unfortunately, the body on the screen looked too tall and his movements weren't as fluid as Marissa's ex-husband's had always been. That fluidity had ended up costing Marissa one bruise too many. The black eye she received over spilled beer, however, had been the tipping point. Jimmy was lucky she left him before he'd given her another one, because between Nate and Charlie, they would have found a way to make it the last thing that swine ever did. But tattoos can be covered, suggested Nate, and you're right, he hates the cubs, which would make this a great disguise. Fair enough, Charlie said, we'll keep him on the list of suspects. Is there anyone else, anyone at all, you can think of that might have had a beef with Danny? No, answered Marissa, but someone who would know better than me is his wife, Sandra. Charlie nodded. Already on my list of people to talk to, along with the other tenants in the strip mall your shop is in. Maybe we'll get lucky and someone will have additional surveillance video of this guy or the car he was driving. Who was the thug anyway? It didn't sit well with Charlie that whoever it had been had been so close to Marissa tonight, or that he was still out there on the loose. "'Listen, until we know more, I think it's best for you and Paige not to be home alone,' said Charlie. "'I've got plenty of spare bedrooms here,' Marissa started to eject, but Nate chimed in as well. "'I agree with Charlie. There's no sense in waking Paige up and her, Nate said. "'You're more than welcome to stay at my place tonight.' After a moment of hesitation, Marissa conceded to her brother with a weary nod. Charlie hated seeing her like this, consumed by worry instead of the vibrant, sassy woman he'd fallen for all those years ago. He stepped forward to pull her into a reassuring hug, but her brother beat him to the punch. Don't worry, sis. Charlie and I will keep you safe until we figure out who the hell is going... what the hell is going on. You guys are the best, she whispered, hugging him and then pulling away to offer Charlie a hug, too. Thank you for everything. Charlie rested his cheek on her crown and inhaled her summer scent. Nate was right. They would keep her and Paige safe no matter what, and though he left the police force several years back, burnt out from jumping through administrative hoops and dealing with stupid red tape, Charlie found himself chomping at the bit to dig into this mystery. He might not be able to be the family man she needed, But clearing her name was something he could certainly do, for now it would have to be enough. Don't mention it, he said. Chapter three, no love lost. Charlie woke the next morning eager to get on the road. The idea that he could help make Marissa's life better, even just a little, had him hungry for answers. Unfortunately, he handed his first disappointment before he even left the house. When Nate called him to inform him that the police had already confirmed there were no other security videos in the strip mall near Marissa's shop. Maybe they're lying like we did to hide potential evidence, Charlie countered. Nope, Nate said. We're the only ones hiding anything. Though, now that we've seen the video and know it doesn't implicate Marissa, I think we should share a copy with them. Fine, Charlie muttered. Usually he hated giving away anything without receiving something in return. For Marissa, he'd make the exception. I got Sam to watch the shop for me today, so I'll head up to see Danny's wife and see what she knows. Good luck, Nate said. From what I recall of the woman, she was anything but pleasant. Unfortunately for Charlie, Nate's memory was correct. He arrived playing the role of private investigator hired by Marissa and found Sandra McMahon livid, not grieving. It seemed Danny's unexpected death was an inconvenience to their pending divorce. She was also five foot nothing and clearly not the assailant seen in the videos. This is just like Danny going off on his own and ruining my plans. She snapped as Charlie took an offered seat on her boldly floral and cat hair covered sofa. All he had to do was keep breathing for another week, but could he do that for me? Oh no. Charlie figured now wasn't the time to remind her that her estranged husband hadn't really had a choice in the matter. Though her word choice was interesting, keep breathing, Had she planned to kill him, but the deed had been done too early? He scanned the room, looking for any hints as to what Danny did in his spare time that might offer him more clues to the deceased's demise. It wasn't a mansion, but the roomy brick two-story appeared well built and in great shape. It also sat on a substantial wooded lot. All in all, he estimated the property would bring her a pretty penny, if she chose to sell and downsize. Across the room, a long-haired Siamese cat was staring him down. He looked back to Sandra and watched the cat's twin perch on the back of her leather recliner, also staring him down. Catwoman and her minions, he thought, ducking behind a brief grin. I can only imagine how overwhelming this almost feel, he said. Tell me, what was it that your husband did for a living? He was a corporate accountant at Burns Metal here in Garrett. And no, he didn't have any enemies or people he'd recently upset, she said. I already told the police that. Of course, Charlie said. Disappointed to learn that nugget. Though he couldn't deny sensing an undercurrent of mild hostility radiating from Danny's widow. And can you believe that bastard had already changed his life insurance policy, she continued. Now, Stacy will get rich off of her father. well, all I get left is this damn house. It's 35 years old and needs all sorts of updating before I can even think about selling it. Well, thanks for nothing, honey. Nope, Charlie thought. she's definitely not grieving. And who is Stacy?" he asked. <sighs> if you'd actually done your homework and talked with your client, you know she's our daughter. She lives in Fort Wayne. Sandra answered with the wave of her hand. His gaze followed the motion and settled on the family photo on the nearby end table. Stacy looked to be a few inches taller than her mother, but still slender and shorter than her father. She wasn't Danny's assailant either. I see, Charlie said, letting the jab slide. He had already gathered that tidbit from their Facebook pages, but wanted to hear about Stacy from the horse's mouth. Were she and Danny close? She loves me more, of course. But she certainly didn't kill him, if that's what you're implying. Neither of us could have, Sandra said in a matter-of-fact tone. Oh, asked Charlie? And why is that? Because she was here with me and my sister and brother-in-law last night, having a celebratory dinner for Stacy's recent promotion. Danny had called to say he had to work late, but I wasn't going to delay our meal on his account, not with company coming. We're all so proud of Stacy. She's been trying to get that promotion for months. She works for the city, you know. She has a very important environmental position. We just finished eating when we got the call about Danny. Sandra's voice cracked, and for the first time since Charlie arrived, Sandra began to tear up. Stacy nearly fainted when she got the news. My poor, poor baby. Hmm. So Mama Bear was all worried about her offspring, but not her soon-to-be ex. Charlie couldn't help but feel badly for Danny. His life cut short before being able to enjoy his days as a divorcee. This woman was as charming as a badger. And what is it that you do, Mrs. McMahon? I'm a receptionist at Marks, Mason & Mecklenburg Chiropractor. I've been there for over 15 years. They appreciate me, unlike some people around here. I see. Charlie engaged in a bit more small talk, then he thanked her for her time and made his exit. He could have asked her for her sister's name and number, but he didn't bother. His gut said she wasn't the mastermind behind her husband's death. Unfortunately, Sandra had offered Charlie zero new leads to follow. So he headed back toward Fort Wayne and the next stop on his list, the house that belonged to Jimmy McMahon, Danny's brother, and Marissa's ex-husband. He wasn't sure how he would keep from throwing a punch at the jerk. Yes, it had been years since the pig had hit Marissa, and. Yes, alcohol had been involved, but some things you never forgave. Hitting the woman Charlie would walk across hot coals for was one of them. Charlie parked along the home's front curb and followed a narrow, crumbling path that bisected a weed-riddled yard toward a rickety front porch. The property shrubs were overgrown, its grass several inches longer than the yards around it, and the house itself was in dire need of a fresh coat of paint. Knowing Jimmy, He had excuses for it all. To Charlie's relief, it wasn't Jimmy who answered the doorbell. Instead, it was a very curvaceous redhead whose leathery skin suggested she spent one too many afternoons at the tanning bed. The crow's feet around her eyes also suggested she wasn't the 20-something her outfit wanted others to believe. The woman's suspicious gaze raked over him, a wary look on her face. I told you people, the check is in the mail. Charlie held up his hands in surrender, preparing to lie his way forward. Sorry, I'm not here for money. In fact, I may even be at the wrong house. I'm looking for Jimmy McMahon. Jimmy ain't here. Okay, so he wasn't at the wrong house. And if this charming individual was his current roommate, well, Karma had begun her work on Marissa's ex. Do you know when he might be back? Charlie asked. There's an urgent matter I need to discuss with them. Is this about his brother? she asked her voice lowering as her eyes widened. Their mother called here this morning, hysterical. I figured she'd just been hitting the bottle again, but now you're here, so... Danny was murdered last night, Charlie confirmed. That's why it's important for me to find Jimmy. We're looking for the answers to a terrible crime and alerting his family members that they might be in danger as well. Okay, so that was a bit of a stretch, but Charlie was hoping to play the worry card and get this woman to spill on Jimmy's whereabouts. Instead, she responded with a snort and an eye roll. Jimmy can take care of himself. And I don't know when he'll be back. That man sucks at communicating. The bum just got back in town this morning after a week in Florida for some business conference. Can you believe he didn't once offer to take me with him? Wow, Charlie said that hardly seems fair. Are you sure he even went? He was trying to capitalize on both her frustration and rambling oh he was there all right I know because I track his phone with mine she raised her phone interview and offered Charlie an evil grin yep karma was definitely doing her thing unfortunately if Jimmy's girl was to be believed Marissa's ex hadn't been in town to commit the murder last night do you happen to know when the last time was that Jimmy saw or spoke to his brother no clue she said Jimmy and his brother didn't really get along Danny always acted like he was better than we were. Charlie nodded, pretending to take notes. So you don't think the trouble that found Danny would also find its way to Jimmy? Nah, they didn't run with the same crowd. Besides, she continued, the only legit danger Jimmy will be in is from me if he tries to postpone our vacation again. If that happens, I am out of here. Again? Charlie asked. Well, we were supposed to go to Vegas last year, but then the whole stupid COVID thing happened. Then he tells me last week that we're going to Grand Rapids instead of Las Vegas. I mean, who the hell picks Michigan over Cali? She rolled her eyes and Charlie resisted doing the same. California, Nevada, apparently they were both home to Vegas now. Not me, Charlie said, unless there's there's something really special going on in Grand Rapids he said it was another stupid convention at first I was like what the hell but then he mentioned jewelry and so I was hoping for that ring he keeps saying he's gonna give me her features softened briefly then hardened once more if you find him tell him I said if he doesn't show tomorrow morning he can keep it I'm done with that she slammed the door in Charlie's face on a sigh he started back to his vehicle two stops and two dead ends with zero new leads surfacing. Had this been some random act of violence? A simple case of Danny being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Charlie doubted it, especially since Danny had died at least a half an hour south of where his wife believed him to be. So what had brought the deceased into Fort Wayne? It couldn't have been to visit his daughter since she'd been at his house having dinner. Maybe he had a mistress. After all, he and Sandra were in the final stages of divorce. A mistress could explain him sneaking off, but not why he was walking around with a shovel. On a sigh, Charlie headed for his shop to relieve his part-time employee, Sam, and take the afternoon shift. Hopefully, Nate and his police buddies were having better luck today at unraveling this mystery than him. Because now they prove Marissa wasn't the murderer, His new focus was on keeping her and little Paige safe. And the longer the murderer was on the loose, the more danger they could be in. Chapter 4. A Treasure Map? Charlie, Nate, Jessica, and Marissa huddled at Nate's house just before dinner time, going over what information they'd each been able to gather while Little Paige watched cartoons with her Peppa Pig stuffed animal in the next room. According to Nate, the police had found the murder weapon that had killed Danny, a bloodied, broken-off screwdriver recovered from a storm drain half a block from the attack. His shovel had also been recovered from a yard beside the alley, both with Danny's fingerprints on. The other set of prints on the screwdriver had yet to be matched. All attempts to reach his brother, Jimmy, had yet been unsuccessful. So Danny was an accountant whose wife thought he was so boring she decided to divorce him. But last night he turned up in an alley behind M's shop with a shovel and screwdriver? Asked Nate's fiancé, Jessica. Sounds like there was more to this guy than people knew. And what was he doing in the alley with a shovel? Digging for gold? Your guess is as good as mine, said Marissa. Charlie thought she looked beautiful as ever in the -the off-the-shoulder green t-shirt and form-fitting denim capris, but gone were her trademark contagious smiles, replaced by thinner ones that didn't quite reach her eyes. Charlie had taken the seat beside her, grappling with a growing need to be close to her, to protect her. The feeling had intensified all afternoon, but being close to her now kept his anxiety at bay. "'So you don't think the wife was behind this?' asked Jessica. "'And what about the daughter?' Would she have any reason to offer her old man? Stacy replied Marissa. Oh no, she's a total sweetheart. She works for the city and drives a motorized video camera through the sewer lines. Kind of cool stuff. Jessica laughed. Cool, but smelly. I'll stick to designing websites. Thank you very much. Anyone else find it odd that Jimmy is still MIA? asked Nate. Charlie shrugged. Like I said, his girlfriend didn't act like him being out of town was all that unusual. She seemed far more irritated that he might not return in time for the trip to Grand Rapids tomorrow. Which reminds me, Charlie did a quick search on his cell phone for conventions happening in the area. Well, looky what we have here. A gold and rare jewels convention running tomorrow through next Wednesday at the Grand Rapids Convention Center. "'That's where his girlfriend said Jimmy was going?' asked Marissa. Charlie nodded. She said the trip was for a convention, and unless he was feeding her a line, all I'm seeing in Grand Rapids this weekend is that, and a Lego festival. He doesn't strike me as the Legos type. Plus, the girlfriend said he mentioned jewelry. She's hoping for an engagement ring. I think she's nuts. "'Totally nuts. And I'm with you. He's not going for Legos,' agreed Nate. Marissa... Wasn't his grandma Mimi a fairly renowned jeweler back in the day? At Marissa's nod, he added, Maybe Mimi's encouraging him to try a new career path, something a little more legit than his usual real estate scams. Charlie googled Mimi McMahon, eager to find her address and explore this new angle. He found at the search results, Sorry, y'all, but the only way Mimi is mentoring Jimmy nowadays is via seance. She passed away six months ago. <gasps> a surprise gap escaped Marissa. That's terrible! I wish I'd known. I'd have gone to pay my respects. And deal with Jimmy's shitty family? I'm glad you didn't. Nate reached across the table to give his sister's hand a squeeze. But that might explain why he's supposedly headed to that conference. Maybe Mimi left him some of her jewels, and he's hoping to cash them in. Why do you think... That, Do you think that's why Jimmy got attacked, asked Jessica, because maybe he inherited some jewels, too? Good question, said Charlie. I mean, it's possible. But on the video, Marissa said, we saw the attacker take a piece of paper from him, not a bag of jewels. True, Nate said, but what if that piece of paper had information on it that led to something else? Like a treasure map, teased Jessica. Could be, Charlie said though I'm not sure how we would know what he did or didn't inherit unless I go back and ask Sandra. Man, I'd rather not drive over there and talk to that woman again. Grinning, Marissa bumped him with her elbow. Want me just to ask her daughter Stacy? We're still friends on Facebook. You'd be my hero, he said with a wink. That brought out one of her genuine smiles. Charlie leaned closer, feeling like a helpless moon being drawn in by her smile's gravitational pull. He watched her send a message to Stacy and then set her phone aside to rejoin their brainstorming session. A few minutes later, Charlie watched Marissa pick up her phone once more. She scrolled through a new message and her eyes widened. Um, guys, she said, you're going to want to hear this. The room fell silent as she cleared her throat and read them Stacy's response. A few weeks before Grandma died, Dad came to me with a strange request. He wanted to know if I knew a safe place where he could hide a letter. I joked that no one would dream of looking in a sewer, even though we find crazy stuff in there all the time. He insisted the letter needed to stay dry, so I said we could always hide it down there in an empty flow monitor canister, which looks kind of like an oversized metal Quaker Oats container. We tethered out to the steps going down into the manhole, just below the cover, and no one would suspect a thing. Then he asked if I knew if there were any good manholes in Fort Wayne near East Dayton Coliseum, you know, that weren't in the middle of the street, and I joked that there was one in the alley right behind Aunt Marissa's shop. He said that was perfect and brought me a manila envelope while on his lunch break the following day. It was rolled up and sealed in a waterproof bag. When I asked what this was about, all he would say is that he needed to keep the letter safe for a friend. Then he said he had to get back up north, so I didn't push him on it. Before he left, I gave him a note with instructions on how to retrieve the letter, in case he needed it when I wasn't at work and could get it for him. Whoa, said Jessica. Maybe it really was a treasure map. Or something important, anyway, Nate said. Seems like a lot of work to hide an ordinary letter. Charlie frowned, but for him to get robbed, someone else would have to know it existed, or have a reason to want to follow him in the first place. M, um, ask Stacy who inherited the jewelry from Mimi. Maybe Danny got more than the rest of the family. Got it. She said. After a moment, her phone buzzed with response. Um, according to Stacy's mom, none of the family present at the reading of the will inherited any jewelry at all. Jimmy threw a fit. Charlie rubbed his hands together. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. If that's correct, and you guys are right about her having this amazing jewelry collection, that means either the jewels were sold before she passed or intended for someone not at the reading. And if that was the case, Mimi would have wanted to make sure they were tucked away for safekeeping so the wrong person didn't get their hands on them. Because she knew the family would be looking for them, Nate said. Exactly. Charlie looked to Marissa, Ask Stacy if Danny asked her to retrieve the letter before he passed. Got it, she said, typing away on her phone screen. After a moment, she shook her head. Nope, he never asked her to. Which might be why Danny was in the alley behind your shop last night, Em, Charlie said. Maybe he was there to retrieve whatever he'd hidden, and since he was tacked before he could reach it, <gasps> Jessica sucked in a sharp breath. The letter could still be there. "'Bingo,' said Nate. "'Wait. Marissa, tell us again what Danny said to you just before he died.' "'Okay,' she said. "'He said, Jimmy Will Sewer.' "'Only his breath was pretty ragged by then, so it sounded more broken than that, more like, "'Jimmy Will her." Marissa's eyes widened. "'Wait, do you think he was trying to tell me something? Something about the will?' It sure sounds like it to me, said Jessica. And that maybe Jimmy wasn't going to sue you, but why becoming after something hid in the er. Because something has a rare gold and jewels convention to get to. Charlie looked at his best friend. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Nate grinned. You mean that we have an alley stakeout in our future? Charlie offered him a fist bump. Damn right we do. Something tells me the man with the map won't take long to return for his stolen loot, and I highly doubt he'll come alone this time. Marissa, see if Stacy's free tonight. We're going to need her help, too.
1: Do I get to pause and guess who did it? You do get to pause and
0: guess who did it. (laughs) Okay.
1: So I have no idea. Okay. So
0: Marissa did not kill her former brother-in-law, Danny McMahon. So who did and why? So our suspects are Jimmy McMahon, Danny's brother and Marissa's ex-husband. Jimmy's living girlfriend who is going to lose her freaking mind if they don't take a vacation. Sandra McMahon, Danny's livid and soon-to-be ex-wife. Stacy McMahon, Danny and Sandra's adult daughter, the one who works for the city of Fort Wayne. And the only other people in this would be any or all of the Chens who own the restaurant next to Marissa's shop.
1: Huh. Could it be the Changs? I forget what the name was.
0: Oh, I said I wrote Chen, but I think it's Chang.
1: Changs? Could it be the Changs?
0: It could be anybody. Anybody but Marissa or we wouldn't have a story.
1: Well, they said it probably couldn't be Jimmy because Jimmy doesn't have the uh, the tattoo. Right? Isn't that the thing?
0: It said that the person who attacked Danny could not have been Jimmy because Jimmy didn't have the tattoo and Jimmy does not like the Cubs. So, so, yeah, that's what the evidence says.
1: Who does like the Cubs?
0: It does not tell us. Kira does not tell us. Who's the huh. Cubs fan?
1: I... Well, it's clearly Jimmy, but Jimmy and who else? Ah,
0: the accomplice.
1: Well, maybe maybe there's a reason the girl really badly wants to go down to Grand Rapids. I think know. it's
0: up to Grand Rapids.
1: Uh, whatever. Grand <laughs> Rapids is Grand Rapids.
0: <laughs> it is up and over from here. By the way, we are in Fort Wayne, much like we are in Kira Jacobs' hometown. Weird. Yeah. Speaking of weird, what were you doing on the piano with those sounds? So Jack, for the last two weeks, has uh, walked away from our big old fancy upright piano and is playing his Casio and has discovered once again how many sounds it can make. It's
1: it's so much fun. <laughs> Here, let's pick one. So there are two gata- categories and it's called Ethnic 1 and Ethnic 2, which means just fun sounds. And neither... See, I don't even know what that is. Is it, is it a sitar? Yeah, is this a sitar one? Sitar two, three, four. Tanpura. Oh, well, I don't know what a tanpura is.
0: Apparently, you have some research to do.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll be playing the harmonica for this last part. It doesn't really sound like a harmonica. It, it doesn't sound. It like sounds like a lot like the weird accordion sound yeah, I used like earlier. it sounds like
0: you just did a umpa. That is not a harmonica.
1: I know what you're talking about. What about harmonica too? It sounds more like an organ. Sounds like an organ. Santa.
0: Pretty, but I have no idea what that is. Should we go on to chapter five to find out who I mean, killed Danny?
1: We we should.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, you find one he likes.
1: <laughs> no, this one's I don't I I I can't do that for another twenty minutes. We'll just go with one of the pianos. Let's let's pick rock piano. It's just a regular piano.
0: You sound disappointed.
1: Honky Tonk two. Alright. Alright, we're All going right, with honky tonk
0: two. Chapter yeah. five. Manhole Surprise. <laughs> Charlie N Na- Marissa and Stacy sat inside Marissa's shop just before dark that night, huddled around her security monitors, while two uniformed officers from the Fort Wayne PD were on standby, patrolling the neighboring residential streets. Jessica had offered to hang back and watch Paige again, who was thrilled to spend another evening with Aunt Jess. That gave the others plenty of time to put their plan into action. More security tech gear had been set discreetly in the alley, providing sound to the video feed as well as night vision capabilities. This time there would be no baseball cap shadow excuses. Crime Seed tape had also been removed so as not to scare away the would-be robbers. By the time it was full dark, their trap had been set. All they had to do was wait. Partway through their third game of Uno, Charlie's motion detector alerted them of a visitor. A quick glance at the monitor found two men approaching. And, sure enough, Jimmy McMahon was one of them. Nate sent a quick text to his patrol colleagues, asking them to move into position. "'You sure we're in the right place?' Jimmy asked, sweeping the gravel alley with light from his cell phone. "'I told you we were. Why do you keep asking?" said Mr. Cub's Hat. Yes, he had it on again. He was also carrying a shovel and a crowbar his hands this time dressed in workman's gloves. Because you told me you were only going to rough my brother up too and now look how that turned out. Jimmy shot him a dark look. I still might kill you for that. I'm telling you man it wasn't my fault. If he hadn't been trying to stab me with that broken screwdriver I wouldn't have to take it from him. Take it from him and then stab him yourself Jimmy muttered. I didn't want to, man. You know how much I hate blood, but that stupid door flew open and knocked me into him. It was really bad luck, that's all. Well, if we don't find anything in that stupid manhole, you're going to be in for some really bad luck, too, Jimmy said. Cub's hat flinched but didn't comment back. Instead, he began brushing gravel off the manhole lid behind Marissa's shop. He handled the shovel to Jimmy, who tried to pry the lid up just enough to fit the crowbar into the space. A few grunts later, Cubs Hat managed to get a grip on the rim. Squatting low, he managed to tip the lid up and back. A small pop sounded, and suddenly everything within a ten-foot radius was doused in neon-blue paint. "'What the hell?' cried Jimmy. "'It was booby-trapped!' "'Police!' cried a voice farther down the alley. "'Don't move!' "'But we didn't do anything!' cried Cubs Hat. "'Yeah, it's not illegal to open manholes,' Jimmy said." "'Actually, tamping with city property is against the law,' said the nearest officer, stepping forward to cuff the painted pair. "'And don't even try to tell me that's not what you were doing.'" Charlie and Nate exchanged a high-five. They'd been waiting to try out the security paint bombs for a while now, curious as to how thorough a job it would do. Still grinning, they headed outside with the others. While Jimmy continued to proclaim his innocence, Stacy stepped forward with the envelope in hand, still sealed in its watertight bag. She'd retrieved it before the paint bomb had been installed. Looking for something, Uncle Jimmy, she said. His gaze darted to the package and then quickly away. Um, yeah, my watch. I, um, I dropped it in the sewer, he said. Patting down Cub's hat, the second officer extracted a piece of paper from his back pocket. Is that why you two needed directions on how to access and dismantle a flow monitor canister i jimmy started but the first officer cut him off can it i want to see what was so darn special that you had your brother killed over it jimmy growled i did not put a hit out on my own brother but you had him followed didn't you uncle jimmy stacy said over a stupid letter and now my dad is gone her voice cracked on the last word what could have possibly been so damned important? Marissa put a hand on Stacy's shoulder. Go ahead, sweetheart, open it. And so she did. Inside was indeed a document and a small key. Stacy skimmed the letter and then looked up with a victorious smile. It's Great Grandma Mimi's full will, she said. There are things in here Dad never mentioned before. This key, it's supposed to go to Marissa. Is to a safety deposit box at Tower Bank downtown, where Grandma stored what remained of her loose gem collection. What? Marissa's hands flew to her face. She gave them to me? That will is probably fake, Jimmy cried from across the alley. A forged copy. Mimi was nuts those last few months. She probably wrote it herself, Charlie asked to see the will. No, nope, it's dated last spring and is notarized. "'So while Danny was doing all he could "'to make sure you didn't get into the jewels before Marissa, "'you were looking for ways to find and keep them for yourself.' "'She was my grandmother, not yours,' Jimmy roared. "'Save it for the judge,' the officers behind him said, "'and then read the two suspects their rights.' "'As the others made their way over to the open manhole cover, "'Charlie stayed back with the still-shocked Marissa. "'Mimi's jewels, huh?' I'm betting they're worth a little something. Marissa shook her head. I, I still can't believe it. Like, why me? Because you were kind to her, Charlie said. I saw it firsthand. The woman adored you. And I can't think of anyone more deserving in that family. But I can't keep it all to myself, Marissa said. I should share them with, with Stacy at least. He smiled, the response so typical of the selfless woman who stood beside him. "'They're all yours to do whatever you want with. "'Who knows? "'Maybe it'll be enough to move you and Paige "'into that nicer neighborhood you've been eyeing. "'Don't go getting my hopes up too high now, buddy,' "'she grinned and then reached out and pulled him into a hug. "'Thank you, Charlie. "'If it hadn't been for you, "'I might never have known about any of this.' "'He savored her hug, hating that it ended all too soon. "'And, Nate, don't forget your brother came to your rescue, too.' "'True,' she said.' but you're the one who's getting a thank you kiss." She rose on her tiptoes and pressed her lips softly to his, the kiss sweet and lingering. Charlie felt his lifelong resolve to not pursue Marissa falter. When she drew back, Charlie opened his eyes to find her smiling up at him. Had he ever seen such a beautiful sight? Always happy to help, he murmured, trying to rein in the desire that flooded his veins though those kind of thank yous certainly make the task worthwhile. Sorry, she said with a spark. You're going to need to find other ways to earn kisses from me. Being a murder suspect isn't something I hope to be any time again. Charlie stared into Marissa's bright blue eyes, grappling with her words. Has she just challenged him to find more opportunities to kiss her? Careful, Em, he said. Once I start kissing you, I might not be able to stop. Marissa shrugged. Maybe I don't want you to. With a wink, she wove her delicate fingers through his. As she led him to rejoin the others, Charlie felt his resolve weaken further. Was it possible? Could he truly be the man she needed him to be? That Paige needed him to be? As her musical laughter rang out at something Nate said, Charlie tightened his grasp on her hand. Maybe it was finally time to find out.
1: I just had to listen to my mom read that.
0: <laughs> I just had to read that to my 18-year-old son.
1: This is weird. <laughs> That's this what you weird. get
0: with romantic suspense. You get the romance.
1: I, I I I yeah, I heard it. You heard it? Loud and clear. At least
0: it wasn't a sex scene.
1: Oh, thanks mom. <laughs> thanks thanks for for putting that uh, in your head. Yeah. You know what? Let's let's so Talk about the story. All right, cool story. So,
0: did it make sense? It made d- sense. What's the postmortem on it?
1: Uh, oh, I, I'm I'm in charge of this, aren't I? I.
0: You want to be in charge of it?
1: Well, because you're doing the fun facts. Yeah, it's the fun facts. Stuff. so Let's yeah. let's do the postmortem, mortem, mortem, guys. Uh, did it make sense? Yes, it did. Um, nice little sewer stuff. There were a lot of characters, and it could have been a lot of them. And you never really find out who Catman is.
0: No, you don't. He wasn't important enough to get a name.
1: Exactly. So you kind of you kind of know who did it, and then the mystery on who did it is the guy you don't know. Yeah. So I mean, it works. It was a little
0: bit of an accident. It sounds like you know who's to say if uh, Lee Cheng hadn't come out of that door and bumped Cubs hat guy into Danny, if Danny would have died that night.
1: How do you not? How do you slam a guy into another guy so hard with the door? Just smoke, and well, he didn't smoke, did he?
0: No, he like opened the door, he hit him, he was arguing with you know probably his parents, mm-hmm. and that then went he back went in. back into the kitchen. You would think that when you flung the <laughs> door open like that, like it it would have stopped, yeah, you think it might have gotten your attention, but I suppose if you're in the heat of an argument, maybe you wouldn't have noticed, maybe. I don't know. So Kira Jacobs, in her day life, um, she she helps manage the sewer system here in Fort Wayne, and I know she has been dying to write a story that involves uh, sewers. So we were happy to provide her that opportunity. Uh, but it it uh, it works. It it seems a little extreme to go to hide a will in a sewer, but I suppose if you truly wanted one in a place nobody would ever look, well, she found that.
1: That is true. Um, Don't people do maintenance in those? But I guess you don't have to, like, take it apart to look at whatever the device was, do you?
0: The flow monitor, I mean, it was one that was out of service, so the, the empty canister was just hanging there, so nobody would have really gone in to check it. Huh. Now, I guess the if they decided that they wanted to make it live again, then somebody would have noticed it, but... Presumably in her role Stacy would have known and been able to intervene in that.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's so yeah. a fun little mystery. Yeah.
1: Now also if you hit two men with a door, I don't care how loud you're yelling. They're yelling louder. Oh uh, that's a good point. Especially if they're in the middle of a fight. In an alley. In an alley. You know it would be really loud? Where? In an alley in Rome. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, it's the only part. That's the only part. It's the only part. Yeah.
0: So I have some, f- f- I don't know, fun facts, fun stories for you about sewers. <laughs> yeah. So in in my job, especially in my former life, I also did a lot of work with sewers, and um so it is not uncommon, you know, for for people who are trying to evade the law and stuff to flush things down the toilet which then it gets into the sewers. And so it's not uncommon also for police departments to work with sewer departments to get them to block off certain sections of sewers to to try to recover evidence. Um, All sewers lead to wastewater treatment plants. And uh, they have big bar racks in front of them to help stop big solid things from getting to the plant. And it's amazing what people find on those, like things that seem... Impossible to get into sewer systems, mm-hmm. like bowling balls, like <laughs> bicycles, like like things that are just enormous. Um, there are some kind of horrible stories out there in the industry of body parts being found in those, because uh, again, it all just by gravity goes down to the lowest point, which is this wastewater treatment plant.
1: That is awful.
0: Yeah one One other thing I was doing I'm trying to find do a little research to see if there was truly any fun facts, and it turns out the most fun facts are from our real life. <laughs> um, but it's also real common for people to flush drugs like legal drugs down the toilet. And everybody listening, if you walk away with nothing else today, do not flush drugs down your toilet. Now on online, you can look up and there will be a list of flushable drugs. But the vast majority of drugs, they're not broken down by the treatment process, and so they can go straight through and then into rivers and lakes, and then it goes right back into the drinking water system. So,
1: you know... Is cocaine flushable? Because according to Goodfellas... <laughs> right.
0: Then, <laughs> then you get cocaine going through the whole system. You imagine those fish, like, oh, this is good water, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, after, after our dog, Max passed away Mm -hmm. um the vet surprisingly told dad to flush his cancer meds and before i could say no don't do that your dad had done it so these were these were pills that were so hazardous that i a woman of childbearing age was not allowed to touch them at all and he had to wear gloves but no no go ahead and flush them down the sewers Uh. so do (laughs) not do that Dispose of them properly. If you don't know what properly is, act your doctor. Ask your vet. Don't ask your vet if they tell you to
1: flush them. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, there's apparently not.
0: I know outside um, the pharmacy at our Walgreens, there's mm-hmm. a box where you can turn in... Um, there's also drugs.
1: a cool box where you can turn in drugs in the Chicago <laughs> airport, as we found. <laughs> we did nice little amnesty box. <laughs>
0: amnesty, yeah, and whatever. But it was it was awesome. I wondered how many, how much was actually in that box. It
1: can't be a lot. It's after, so I suppose. So it's no, after. Explain security. where it is. Yes. So it's after security. So it's clearly for people who are arriving. Oh, I didn't you, think of that. If okay. you show up, you have found it. You know, okay. Okay. or if you finally get to that box. You got through the hard part. Why would you want to give it up? <laughs> yeah. You had every chance not to bring in and get caught. You got through right. it somehow. And now you're like, no, nah, I don't need it.
0: You're right. But they weren't poised where you're about to exit. They were right after you went through security, weren't they? Yeah, It was an odd place now that you think about it.
1: I suppose it can be a thing where it's like it's legal in other countries. So you or have states or states. So like it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. It's states now.
0: It is states now.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, Chicago's in Illinois. It's legal in Illinois, right?
0: You're right, so I wonder why maybe... I
1: bet it's just... I mean, maybe you can't bring them on airlines because it's international?
0: I don't know. We may have... Anybody knows why, why there are amnesty boxes in O'Hare Airport when marijuana is legal in Illinois. We would like to know why. And we'd also like to know if you've ever put anything in it.
1: And why you would ever...
0: Why well, you whatever? Yeah, we were thinking that there'd be a, a whole hysterical story about you know somebody trying to get into that.
1: <laughs> I do have a story. Okay. I went you. remember my camp that I went to. Yes, so I went. I went to a camp. I'm not going to name it, but at the beginning of the camp, it was a rock and roll camp, so it was a bunch for of teenagers. For, it was a bunch of teenagers, you know, showing up, uh, high schoolers, and the first day, the guys like, "All right, if you guys have any illegal drugs on you, you can come and give them to us." And we will not kick you out of the camp. We'll just we'll just take them, and on the first day, we'll just it'll be fine. All right. If we catch him, if we catch you with it after that, we'll have to kick you out. And the first thought when I thought it was oh cool, and when I told my dad, his first thought was yeah, because they're using it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if you think about it, you know, if it's weed, which is probably the most common thing you're going to get in there next to psychedelics, it's it's legal there and your counselors Just why not i mean so,
0: so at the same camp that jack was going and learning how to rock out there was also a football camp going on yes so tell them about what happened in the in the lunchroom when the football players and the rock and roll kids
1: i don't even slightly remember
0: So he came home telling the story about how, you know, the coaches for the football players were like watching the kids and they all had to like (laughs) sit down and eat together.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: The music kids were just a little bit looser about the way. And what you had said something like, whenever any one of the football players stood up like you all stood up, or you guys all did something and, like, you were pissing them off. Do you remember that at all?
1: I I don't. I do remember we had this weird rivalry. Oh, when
0: any stood up, you all would clap.
1: Oh, yes, we did that a lot. I don't know why. We just decided clapping and cheering on the football people for no reason was the funniest thing.
0: And You wonder why athletes don't like musicians. Well... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> we weren't the cool kids i mean it wasn't like i mean we had one guy he was he was interesting i don't remember his name he was really cool he wore like black lipstick all the time he had dyed red hair and he throughout the entire week played this screamo song he screamed for an entire week and our the one guy who was a producer for a metal band who the metal band turned out to be a cult Like a four-person cult or something. And like the lead singer was the leader of the whole thing. Maybe it was a producer or one of the other. I don't remember. Either way, it was interesting. That guy was like, this kid who's screaming is going to lose his voice by the end of the week. And he didn't. He was fine. Wow. And he saw some video of some other like rock guy who smashed his face on the crash (laughs) cymbal because that was like metal. So he did that on the final performance that we showed all our parents to. (laughs) So yeah, it was kind of weird because it's like these teenagers who are, you know, wearing all black emo angst stuff and they have a show at the end of the week for all the parents.
0: I just thought Rock and Roll Camp was uh, very interesting.
1: It was. It was, (laughs) It was fun.
0: So let's learn about Kira Jacobs. So Sue Her is a short story based on Kira's Hometown Hero series which, as I said at the start of the show, featured two full-length romantic suspense novels set here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Armed with Steel and Flirting with Fire. One four-star reviewer said of Armed with Steel, This is a very intriguing novel, and I felt myself getting into more and more as the pages passed. Jacob's descriptions were amazing and showed exactly what she was seeing. A five-star reviewer said, I'm not a romance lover. Let me start with that. This is a great book, Smiley Face Emoji. It's one of those I've always asked for. It's not filled with purposeless sex page after page. It has a lovely, intriguing story with characters that are real and believable. This book is well-written, and it's a real story, a Sherlockian mystery with a handsome man and a lot of attraction. So Kirip Jacobs is an extroverted introvert who writes love, humor, and mystery in the Midwest and beyond. When this huge Hoosier native is impounding out scenes for her next book, she's likely outside, elbow deep in Snapdragons or spending quality time with her sports-loving family. Kira also loves to read, tries to golf, and is an avid college football fan. She also will humor me by going out for coffees and long walks where we think about how we're going to plot to murder our next our next victims. So that wraps up this episode of Mysteries to Die For. Support our show by... This is usually the place where you start playing our outro, Jack.
1: Oh, my bad. Somebody's not paying
0: attention. This wraps up this episode (laughs) of Mysteries to Die For. Support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. Become a member of our Body Bag Brigade by financially supporting this season with a one-time donation. Pay what you can. Interested in advertising on Mysteries to Die For? Check out our website. Information is in the show notes. And on our website tgwolf.com forward slash podcast Mysteries to Die For is written by T.G. Wolf with contribution from Jack Wolf. Sue Her was written by Kira Jacobs. Music and production are by Jack Wolf and episode art is by T.G. Wolf. Alright, what are you going to take us out with this time? Always got to finish a sentence. Very epic.
1: Thank you.